Hi listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Picking Up Perfection. Great show lined up today with my guest Lucy Abigail. Unfortunately the audio quality from my side is not as good as it normally is. I had a real bad uh, microphone malfunction just before we started recording and I actually had to send it back, it was completely bust, it wasn't user error I promise. But unfortunately I had to use a backup headset which is just not as good as it normally sounds but stick with it, there's some amazing insights uh, from Lucy and myself. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Picking at Perfection with me, your host, Alistair, the podcast that aims to break down society's perfect expectations and try and go for something more purposeful and more aligned with our overall goal. Today, I am so pleased to welcome my special guest, Lucy Abigail, founder of the company Keys to Clarity. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Alistair. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, should we start, if Lucy, you wanted to give an overview of what you do and your kind of area of expertise and any services you provide? So I am an entrepreneur, and as you say, I set up the company Keys to Clarity, and that is empowerment coaching for unfulfilled millennials. All that means is I help people live more fulfilling lives using positive psychology, which is the science of quality of life, effectively, and also my own personal experience and at the moment that comes in the form of the finding direction journal which is all about clarifying your vision the reason why having clarity of vision is so important is because your life it will be built through your behavior your behavior is always outcome driven for example when you're hungry, you then go and eat something. So if you don't know what your outcome is, the outcome that you're seeking is, what is the behavior going to be? Well, it's going to all be about the moment. It's going to be in this moment. How can I feel good right now? So you're going to maybe eat something that's more unhealthy, but tastes better, or you're not going to go to the gym. You're not going to invest in long-term goals because you don't have any. And so I always call it small win mountain. You're not going to build small win mountain. And all of your big wins, they are at the top of that small win mountain. So you're not going to achieve anything of great importance I always say name one notable quitter that you know there's there isn't one so having clarity of vision make sure that wherever your life is going it is building to something of worth and of meaning and uh, Dan Sullivan said um, to what, what did he say um, to make your present better make your future bigger and that's what that journal is all about um, in the future I do hope to do uh, courses and coaching programs but for right now it's just about these journals which I'm selling and uh, hopefully they will be um, helpful to your audience but for me I'm always purpose-led I'm always about giving away as much as I can for free um, the tools are just there for the people who need them most. Awesome. Love that quote and love that introduction. Thank you so much, Lucy. I've got so many questions that aren't our official prompts already. So I want to focus in on something you picked up on there that said about um, some going for something instantly and you might eat something, your reference was eating something unhealthy or something that wasn't healthy. Yeah. I think this is a really hot topic at the moment because I have been looking more and more into mental health. And I think one of the big people, one of the big things people confused at the moment is happiness versus instant gratification and I think happiness is very much what you're talking about in terms of fulfillment doing something you'll love whereas instant gratification is like what would make me instantly happy right now do you agree well I think it's the problem stems from the fact there is so many definitions of happiness and a lot of people think that they're experiencing happiness when actually for me I see happiness as more of a permanent long-term thing I always say that a life satisfaction happens when your actions are aligned with your ambitions when you're taking action towards a big a 
to a, towards a meaningful goal. And equally, for a more scientific look on happiness, I always say, well, are you mentally healthy? And according to self-determination theory, the three psychological needs of mental well-being are autonomy, competency and relatedness. So autonomy, do you have control over your own schedule? Do you have control over your objectives? I think most people know what autonomy is. Um, competency, do you, have you mastered a skill or are you in the process of mastering a skill? And then third, relatedness, this is about connections. And are they deep transformational relationships or are they transactional relationships? And the way I always differentiate the two is, are you in a relationship with that person because you want them to be at your birthday party and to celebrate you? Or are you in that relationship because you want to be at their birthday party and celebrate them? If it's the former, do them a kindness and let them go. If it's the latter, well done, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what you should be doing. Because <laughs> um, that's where the deepest <laughs> relationships lie because you're investing in one another and you're there for each other. You're not there for yourselves and that's where the greatest trust lies it's that you know that deep down this person is there to catch me they're not there because they want me to catch them um so to just kind of tie up to your question as to what is happiness absolutely it's long term it's about making sure you've got strong relationships with people that you're mastering skills you've got control over your life um and as I say, you are taking action in alignment to your ambition. Mm, wonderful. Thank you for that insight. I love that example about the, the birthday as well. Very relatable. And um, I've been reading sort of into your background and how you, you started things off in your kind of light bulb moment, if we want to use that that term. I think you said it was age 14 um, that you sort of came to a, a, a big realisation that's shaped what you're doing here. Do you want to tell us about that? Mm. So I always shy away from saying it was like a eureka moment. I call it more a turning point. Um, the reason why is because, as with everything, there is a lot in the backstory which just kind of brings it all together and then suddenly it kind of clicks. Yes, okay, you could say it's a eureka moment, but to see it as a one moment in time, I think is wrong. And I think it's dangerous to think like that. So I always try to say there was a long process leading into it, but there was a moment where it clicked together. And I always say, think of Einstein. His theory of relativity, he came, it came to him very immediately but actually if you go back in his journals he had all of the elements of the theory of relativity in his notebooks months before he ever had the realization it took the time for him to really be thinking on it and brewing over it for it to finally be able to come together so it's not a, t uh, a static thing it's not a single moment in time it is a process but as you're saying 14 years old this was the time where I'm looking towards which GCSEs I'm supposed to be taking and to a further career and I was being told that academia was the route to being happy and successful and all the rest of it I said well hang on a second there are school dropouts which are millionaires and billionaires there are people who have got qualifications and uh, degrees even who are caught in this 50-50 in that they're overqualified for half the jobs but they're under experienced for the other half and actually find themselves unemployed and then there are some people who have all of the qualifications but don't have the corporate job and instead have gone and done something completely different where they're finding complete happiness somewhere else so I wasn't exactly convinced and that meant that I started looking at other routes to happiness and success and really started to question what I was being told and then that was a very long process of kind of six seven years well six years now I'm only 20 um, into starting this business and to helping others do what I've done through time but it, as I say it was a journey it's not immediate
Interesting. No, I do agree with that, actually, about um, uh, the turning point, I think, is a good way of saying that, because otherwise it does make it seem like it was just an instant change of mind, kind of almost, rather than what you're saying is it was a couple of events, you know, large kind of lifestyle events that were leading up to that, and then you turned things around. So mm. I think that's totally fair. Um, and yeah, thank you for, for giving us insight into your, your background. And you said in your intro that you mainly focus on sort of millennials. Um, is that sort of because you can relate to them, or is there more sort of issues facing millennials so it's not a case of um relating but i think a lot of people in that age bracket are the ones really starting to because they've, they've either gone into a career or they're um uh, in a kind of 50 50 space where they uh, don't have a job or they don't know what's going on they don't know what's going to make them happy um and they're just at that point in time where I can help the most. Whereas for people who are my age, they're still in the belief that oh, I'm going to do GCSEs, I'm going to do A level, I'm going to do degree. And absolutely, for some of them, some of those people, it's going to make them very happy. And it's going to be exactly the right path for them. But mm. there are people who need to go a unique path instead of the universal path. They haven't come to the realization that they need to do that yet. So I'm, in a way, waiting for them to make that realization so that I can then help them if they want it. Whereas millennials are there. So it's just a case of helping them. Mm, definitely. That makes sense. And I, yeah, I think it, it's crucial because, they, you know, there's no shame. Uh, I always talk about walking the path less walked and things like that. But there's truly no shame in going sort of along the, the societal norm because that route does mm. serve and fulfill some people. Um, yeah. But it doesn't for everyone. I think it's important to acknowledge that, that some people, as you say, do want to take different paths, defy stereotypes, you know, however you want to phrase it, um, you know, to get that fulfillment. So yeah. thank you for sharing. And one thing I always say is a dream that is designed for someone else is unlikely to make you happy. So don't don't follow it. You know, D make sure you're designing your own dream, because then even if obviously there will be ups and downs with it and chasing it and striving mm. for it, not struggling, striving. The quote that you shared there was amazing. And I think I can already tell that we're very much on the same page and aligned with this because my dad kind of raised me. I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast. I talk about it in my workshop. My dad raised me with this little quote that he has that he's made up. And it sounds um, very odd to say it to outsiders, but in our family, it's kind of like a legacy. And he says that life is like an escalator. The trick is knowing when to step off. And what he means by that is the fact that society and all these paths we talk about, school, education, university, job, uh, sometimes even marriage, you know, it's all kind of an escalator of life carrying us up and away. But the real sort of courage is stepping away from that and saying, do you know what, that actually doesn't serve me. And I think that's very much in line with what you just said there. I love that idea. Um... <laughs> I think the problem with it is it needs a lot of explanation because you couldn't just say life's not an escalator, life is like an escalator and someone would be like, what, how is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then I like that because they can then question it and they have to think about it you've got to find that balance True. between a quote being too um explicit and too uh subtle too, too, too subliminal mm. there we go oh another thing I read about your website as well um was this concept of fluid personality and I, I picked up on you talking about this earlier that things are never static and always dynamic how does this kind of impact us as individuals and how we sort of go through life if you think about it, we're not a 2D picture on a wall. We're not even 3D. We're 4D. We're going through space time, you know, if we want to get all scientific about it. Just like if we were in a film, your favourite film, your favourite series, maybe your favourite book, we have our own personality arcs. We have our own character arcs. And as we have new experiences and we learn theoretically, practically, explicitly, subliminally, um, all that learning is internalised and it informs our beliefs and our thoughts, which in turn f informs our actions, which informs our output. You know, the environment uh, that we're in 
in a way creates the person that we are it's that nature nurture idea and Zig Ziglar has a quote um your input shapes your outlook your outlook shapes your output and I think that sums up the idea really well um so just being aware of that just that you are going to change and literally every single day you're going to change has a massive impact because a lot of people actually don't see that change coming it's called the end of history illusion and all it says is that Basically, we don't think we're going to change as much as we've already changed. Most of our change throughout our life has already occurred. And um, there is a, again, another quote coming at you. um, And I forget who it's by, but it's um, uh, it goes, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. We're not. We're every single day we live, we're learning and we're adapting and we're changing. And you've just got to appreciate that and realise that if your environment is going to impact you, cultivating that environment so that it impacts you in a way that helps you towards your goals is really important. You know, I again totalitarian principle, anything that is not forbidden is compulsory, you know? Um just making sure that everything around you is pushing you towards your goals and it's not pulling you or pushing you away because there's so many things that will um and if it's your behaviors and your actions and the daily habits which build and build and build your output making sure that it's easier and easier to do those habits and you've removed anything that's getting in your way and you've added everything that makes it easier for you it just what's the word expedites the whole process and just makes it that much quicker Mm -hmm. and that much easier so be aware that your personality is going to change be aware that your environment has an impact on that and cultivating it so that uh, your environment and your personality helps you towards your goals because i say that fulfillment Mm. is tenaciously working towards a meaningful goal i suppose that is probably important context for that point to make sense um so as i say fulfillment is tenaciously working towards a meaningful goal so making sure that your behaviors and your environment are all adding towards that makes it so much easier there we go i rambled a bit i'm sorry (laughs) no fine that was a a good uh round off at the end i think again we're just very much aligned here um in terms of our opinions and, and perspective on this what you were saying there earlier about change, it made me think of the stoic quote. We're, we're both full of quotes. <laughs> that universe is change and that life is opinion. And I think that's so valid in terms of everyone's experience. Oh, say that reality. again. The, un- the universe is change and life is opinion. Yeah, exactly. Deep, right? I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to go away and think about that one. Hang on, I'm writing that down. <laughs> universe is change. Sorry, I'm just writing this down. I'm a slow writer. And, no, you're fine. Uh, life is opinion mm-hmm. yes definitely Absolutely. I'm a big fan of the Stoics at the moment and um, mm. again what you were saying as well so I, I kind of say myself that I'm an imperfectionist which people don't always get it's kind of a a confusing um, way of saying things, I guess, because it's not something you come across in your everyday vocabulary. But what I mean by that is that I am always changing and always growing because the definition of perfect, it's sort of looked up in a dictionary, is something that is is stagnant, is standing still, is finished. And like mm. you say, humans, we're all growing. No one's a finished product. So that's yeah. really interesting. Um, and I think this is a wonderful segue into me asking you, what is your definition and experience with the word perfection? So in a way, I agree with you. Perfection is just a completely useless, unrealistic construct, which we can just kick to the curb. We don't need it. Um, For me, I focus on excellence. And the way I define that is it's doing the best you possibly can while knowing you can always do better. Obviously, every day you put your all into what you do. You do the best that you can with the skills and the abilities that you have now. And just by doing that, you're going to practice and you're going to get better. And if you just continue to do that... 
that's the only thing you this is the only way you can approach it you know you can do nothing but your best and your best is always going to get better through practice so that's what I always aim for that's my version of perfection in a way mm, a nice progressive interpretation I, I like that thank mm. you for sharing we talked earlier about how humans and we all sort of need and crave connection um, and I read a recent article that you posted that loneliness is on the rise how is this kind of impacting our daily lives human beings need connection if you go all the way back to when we were kind of hunter-gatherer tribes a single human being on their own would not have survived we need each other we need we are strength in numbers and i mean there were stronger uh, species of human that should have outlived us that should have if especially if we're going by survival of the fittest they should be the ones who are dominating the world right now not us homo sapiens so our yeah our survival does depend on the people around us and having the connections and working together and uh, almost being as one and if you think about the uh, necessity of the parent-child bond you know when we are born for many 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 years we are completely dependent on our caregivers whether that be your parent or your guardian and so it's a natural instinct that we want to attach onto them and then once we've uh, kind of grown up a little bit we start to attach onto different people and our network grows and the people that we rely on um a growing number but here's the thing loneliness isn't just the physical absence of other people it's the sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with them um and the way i always say this is how are you giving to other people you know how are you giving your thoughts your energy your time are you um in it for the long term you know have you got deep memories that spread over years because that's really where meaningful connections come in it, as with everything it's uh the long term it's uh, over a long term basically that a relationship gets built and the strength of that relationship builds um and also if you're looking at it from a day-to-day -day perspective in the modern day everything is more fatal when you lack connections you know um it has the same effect on your health as obesity and we all know how how bad obesity is um it can be as stressful as a physical attack as a physical attack and that is measured in our cortisol levels um and also, one of the main causes of depression and anxiety is loneliness. And equally, um, con uh, connections, especially uh, if you've uh, got these transformational relationships you're giving to one another, then they are addictive because they release oxytocin which is a natural antidepressant so actually in having strong connections with people and limiting loneliness you're protecting your mental health you're protecting the mental health of the people you're in relationships with um and it's exactly it's the hug drug it's 10 minutes of snuggling or cuddling a day you know you can get it with a dog even or a cat as much as even though it it's better with a human um you can absolutely so if you connections are very important because they protect our health and we need them for mental healthiness for happiness and one thing i always say is human beings are contextual you can't take a human being out of their environment out of the people around them and for them to make sense they won't you need to understand them in the context of their environment and the people around them and then if you just want to think about how you forge the deepest connections, it's about generosity, as I mentioned. It's how can you give to this person? And generosity releases oxytocin. It protects your mental health, protects their mental health, even protects the mental health of the people who are watching that act of generosity. So I think in the whole grand scheme of things, you want to have strong connections and to get strong connections, you need to be generous. Thank you for that insight. I think the what you said about the contextual humans are contextual i love that and that makes total sense we are uh, there's a quote that i'm trying to think of we it's something like that humans are a reflection of their environment and that's kind of the the similar 
um, lines that you were going down with that and the fact that, you know, if we're taken out of this, we don't make sense um, and may struggle to kind of fit in. And I think, as you say, connections are so important. And uh, I, like you, have sort of an interest and knowledge of the evolutionary kind of aspects that you were talking Mm. about there earlier. Um, Have you read the, The Chimp Paradox by Dr. Steve Peters? It's on the list. It's on the list. Um, very good. So, Move it up. Yeah. That is very good. You'll enjoy that. Same as Home of Prospectus. Home of Prospectus is also on the list as well. Basically, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, obviously, I haven't read it, so I'll just kind of tell you what I know about it. Um, mm. Effectively, it's we our scientific name is Homo sapien. What this book argues is that actually we should be called Homo prospectus in that we are the only species in the animal that has the ability of prospection. And that means being able to look into the future and seeing multiple futures for ourselves and then being able to act according to that future. Every other animal doesn't really have an concept of time and understanding of time Mm. like that so they can't act towards a greater goal like we can and like in many ways we need to gosh this could get really deep (laughs) warning listeners it could bow out now (laughs) it's on your list also or have you read uh homo deus no homo i think the first one is homo sapiens by yuval noah harari it's on the list it is on the list (laughs) you've got a long list (laughs) i think i might have actually bought that one i think i no i think I think I might have actually bought that one and it's sitting, waiting in my Kindle library for me to read. It's a long one, but it is yeah. amazing. It's like a, a compendium of the entire human race from the start, basically. And it, mm. there's this wonderful concept that he explains about the fact that, uh, or one of the factors that humans have got so far and done so well is because, our, well, one, because of our connection, as you were talking about mm. earlier, and two, because we can share a belief system. So the reason that we can collaborate so well is, uh, for example, a shared belief in something like religion. So in the early days when sort of the tribes were merging and and forming larger tribes, they would share a belief in a a greater power, a god, Mm. however you want to kind of phrase it or or say it. And they they were working to that as an ultimate cause. And that was the reason that they could collaborate. And if you think and look at society, you know, we've still got religion, we've still got church, we've got all these kind of limited companies that we work together as a team Mm. towards. It it makes total sense. It's a really interesting read. It's interesting that you say quite literally the words ultimate cause because that really links into teleology now i don't know if you've heard anything about this it's um a basically it's a philosophy that stems from the ancient greeks the likes of plato and aristotle and it speaks to exactly what i was talking about earlier which is um human beings um our behavior is all outcome driven and that we all have in sense a final cause um but for those of us who don't know what that final cause is or we haven't defined it because I always say purpose isn't permanent, it's provisional and it's very intentional, you choose it um, and it's just for right now. Um, but say you don't know what your final cause is, you don't know what your purpose is for right now, you don't know what you're working towards, you don't know how you want to help people, then you're just kind of going to be coasting through life because you've got really no ambition really then, have you? So um, yeah, we need a final cause, we need an ultimate cause um, and that's what teleology says. Interesting, I'll have to look into that. And mm. the another thing that you talked about in a recent article as well was that uh this concept of clear direction and you talk about it being hard to attain in today's society why is that do you think now i could go on and on and on on this topic so if i do if i get to like the five minute mark shut me up please (laughs) the floor (laughs) is yours (laughs) first things first paradox of choice paradox of choice is a book by barry schwartz in 2004 and what it says is there are 
so, so many different options available to us now that we get really confused as to what we want to do. There's also this idea of fear of missing out. There's literally so many things that we could do that we don't actually know the full list. And we're always kind of thinking there will be something else, there will be something else, there will be something else. Because there's all of these different options and also this um, confusion over what all of those different options are or could be, it means that the decision is really hard to make. And the longer and more complex the decision takes or the decision is, we then start stuttering, start suffering from decision fatigue. When you've got so many different options available to you and also the list is in a way so long that you don't actually know all of the different options on it the decision is so complex that it is really hard for you to make that decision and the longer you take to make a decision you then start suddenly suffering from decision fatigue and what that means is that you actually keep delaying the decision even more and even more and you're less likely to make a decision because you haven't made a decision and you continue to not make a decision you then start falling into flock mentality or herd mentality and what that means is you start doing what everyone else is doing and unconsciously you take what you take the vision of the so-called informed individual who is someone who has made a decision for themselves and you adopt their vision for yourself unknowingly and you believe that what you are now chasing this goal you're chasing is going to make you happy and then maybe 10 15 years down the line you never know when it's going to happen sometimes it doesn't you realize hang on a second, this isn't making me happy. And all of a sudden you realise you've got to start from ground zero again. But that's, as I say, if you realise that you've actually been suffering from flock mentality for however long you have been. It doesn't help that the environment we have at school really narrows our vision to say, look at GCSEs, look at A-levels, look at degrees, choose options, choose subjects, because obviously then we're not looking around, we're not looking at the wide variety of different opportunities that are available to us. And then we're not going to make a decision that's good because we do need to look and explore interests to be able to practice them and find passions. But when we're forcing ourselves down, we can't explore those interests and we then definitely can't find those passions. You're just limiting yourself. And to think that, well, say 8 billion, 70 million in the United Kingdom will all find a passion in academia. That is Mm. madness. It's absolute madness. And so people aren't finding their passions and they're not happy that way. And just to add on, when people do have a clear vision of their future, there will be easier paths to lesser goals, which will be so tempting. They will instead strategically ignore that dream that they do want and they'll start going down the easier path. For example, how many of us... would like in the traditional sense the multi-million pound house the six seven figure car you know or no the five six figure car i don't know any cars which are in the millions which are just casually on the road but (laughs) um you know that's very hard to attain for a lot of people and it takes a lot of commitment whereas you could just wake up today and go to the same job you've been going to for the last five years you know it's it is easier to kind of go with the what's it's easier to go with what's comfortable and it's more tempting to go with what's comfortable than to put yourself out of your comfort zone to really push and grow yourself um to then achieve bigger goals which um are of a clear direction and then also you've got to think about a lack of confidence you know that also comes into having a clear direction because i always say mental clarity is five different things it's what impact do you want to make why do you want to make it who are you making it for how are you going to make the impact and do you have the utmost belief in yourself that no matter what comes your way, you are going to keep recommitting and no matter what happens, you're going to achieve it. So it's not really a matter of if, but when. That's how much confidence you've got to have. Otherwise, you will get pushed or pulled to something else. That's what a clear direction is. And for all of the different reasons I've said, paradox of choice, decision fatigue, flock mentality, you know, this promotion.
promotion of a universal path, pushing you towards GCSEs, A-levels, um, having easier paths to lesser goals, um, having a lack of confidence and belief in what you want and why you want it. It's all pulling us away from having that direction. And I mean, I haven't even touched on social media yet. You know, that's, yeah. it's, an, it's an echo chamber <laughs> and it keeps, yeah, it's an echo chamber and it keeps um, promoting that universal path of basically aiming for the house and the car. And if you don't have that, those social status symbols that you're in somehow way you're in some way lacking you know and so all of a sudden people feel shame because they haven't been chasing that direction and now all of a sudden we're saying not only have you got to chase this direction it's wrong if you chase any other direction you know so no wonder people don't have a clear direction of what will actually make them happy so there are so many different reasons and I say I will I would ramble on forever so I'm going to try and cut it there but if you've got any questions (laughs) Please ask them my way. No, like so wonderful again, like really profound insights. And uh, something you said there about the the change and the fatigue, uh, sorry, not the change, the choice and the decision fatigue makes me think of another wonderful stoic quote, which is, uh, <laughs> a man who has one watch knows the time. A man with two watch doesn't know which is correct. So the choice mm. is actually, you know, not providing the ultimate purpose of, you know, the object or what you're trying to get from it. So I take a lot from that quote in terms of... I love um, that quote. I'm using the quote. (laughs) This has been a quote swap episode. Exactly. No, I'm not even joking. Yesterday I was on an Instagram live and there was quotes coming out of both of us. Like there was no tomorrow. But I like that quote. Um, One person who has... I'm just going to put watch times one and then watch times two stoic quote. I'm (laughs) sure I will find it. And so we've talked a little bit about, well, quite a lot of it about sort of the problems that, that people face and things like that. But um, maybe let's digress into some solutions. So mm-hmm. on your website, again, you talked about asking the mind questions rather than sort of presenting yourself with statements. Can you kind of expand on that and sort of the benefits? I always say the mind is not a process. The mind is not a memory bank. It is a processing unit. That means that you ask it a question, you input Um, a question and it will give you the answer to that question but if you don't ask the right questions you're not going to get the right answers then that means well what are the right questions and this is where the six years of my experience in theoretical and practical knowledge comes into play Um, so I kind of have two options for people I always create when I come on podcasts a free workbook which I'm going to include for you in the show notes which will have three exercises for um, Uh, greater fulfillment in your life so feel free to grab that that will be those important right questions to help you get fulfillment in your life if you feel like that won't be enough then I have the final direction journal which I mentioned at the beginning of the show and that is carefully carefully created with prompts from principles using positive psychology and my own personal experience to guide you to a crystal clear vision of your future and as I always say you know there's there's the expectancy theory of motivation which says that you need a vision a path to that vision and the belief in that path to be able to be motivated this is step one you know and as I said having that uh, clear vision is going to stop you flocking to what everyone else wants it's going to push you towards uh, growing a greater present because every day you are tenaciously working towards a meaningful goal you've made today count you've won today success is no longer five years down the line when you've got the degree or you get the pay rise or the promotion 
it's right now it's today and it's every single day because you've made a positive impact because you're working towards that meaningful goal if you are someone who doesn't currently know what will make them happy or you're feeling unfulfilled and have questions about your future but you don't want to commit to kind of that mind-numbing repetitive boring traditional job you know and maybe you'll get a little bit of fun at the end if you have the time and and also you can afford it and you don't believe in the habitual practice of gratitude or positivity or the voodoo talk of vibrations and destiny because I don't like that either then I do recommend you check this out because it it was made for you because you're the people that that was me kind of six years ago and I've now gone through six years you can do what I did in six years in the course of about six hours if you really sit down with this journal and uh, get to grips with it put your full into it so absolutely check it out 100% would recommend I, I the, the last thing I always ask my guests as well and I can pretty much tell from the conversation <laughs> the answer already but have you sort of found your true purpose do you think Lucy is helping people like in this way your true purpose so what I always say is purpose isn't permanent it's provisional it's just for right now I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier and provisionally my purpose is to use my theoretical and practical knowledge of how I live a fulfilling life to help others overcome the obstacles and opportunities in their way to help them live a more fulfilling life well I have enjoyed this conversation so much thank you so much for being my guest I got so much inspiration from this um, and I really hope the listeners do too so thank you for joining us no not at all thank you so much for having me it was a real pleasure thank you Thank you so much for listening, fellow imperfectionist. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope it has inspired you to get closer to your true purpose in life. If you have a question, thoughts on this episode or suggestions of topics or even future guests, I would love to hear from you. Visit pickingupperfection.com slash participate. You can also follow me on my socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even contact me via email. Links for all of this are in the show notes. See you next time.